Hey, here we are, Saturday morning. The bonus half hour, 9 o'clock. Uh, we're going to get right into the interview I had with Larry Morse, district attorney who passed away suddenly this week. This is my last interview with Larry from March 18th, 2017. And you'll recognize a familiar voice of Robert Tomasetti. Listen, folks, we have a guest in here that we, uh, back to, actually about the same time uh, since we've had Robert on these uh, microphones, uh, Larry Morse. The uh, Morse, I, I know Robert always co- corrects me, and I hopefully uh, said his name uh, correctly in the uh, ad for CASA because he's going to be the MC uh, April 1st, coming up a couple of Saturdays for the CASA Cup. Uh, would encourage people to go out there because, Larry, let me tell you, Larry is a great MC. Yes, he, he is. A, he has a sense of humor. I saw him introduce Norm Andrade once. Poor guy was wearing a shirt. He goes, look over there. There's Charlie Sheen. <laughs> oh, it was just absolutely hilarious. But, uh, Larry, you Get yourself in trouble, too. I can, you know, I've, I've done that uh, uh, I mentioned once about a uh, former city councilwoman who I think the world of who was uh, pregnant and she was, you know, five or six months pregnant. And right. I mentioned something about, oh, and she had a bun in the oven, you yeah. know, and, which I, you know, I didn't think was a, you know, a, and I meant it, of course, with great affection and she right. didn't take offense, but apparently some others did. So, you know, there were uh, some comments and I got some phone calls and so yeah. Have to be but, careful, you know, humor is but, a... <laughs> right, but with that humor, in four months, everybody would have said, Larry was correct. Yeah, well. well, you know, Larry, I've made the mistake of uh, thinking somebody was pregnant, uh, giving my seat up in a studio and was told, well, I'm not pregnant. We only do that one time. Yes, yes I mean... When's your baby do what baby, and you're wanting the... You've made that mistake, earth, too. Yes, I was probably 20-something and just hoping that the earth would open up and swallow me. Yeah, I, I had that happen. Well, you know, Larry's uh, been our district attorney for uh, two terms now, I believe. You're in your third term. I'm in my third term. Uh, uh, three years year. in, he's going to be, uh, I understand, running for re-election again. That is my intention. And I would uh, almost dare to say unopposed, folks, uh, because you have to have not only a wonderful winning personality and smile, but a law degree. That'll narrow it down. That'll yeah, really that call really the field out. Yeah. Uh, so Mark Payson is out? Uh, yeah. I don't think Mark uh, has gotten his law degree yet. No, no. I think I think he's going to be up there at the state. But but he's anyway, got a podium. He does have a podium. But, but Larry, uh, again, is, uh, and I believe coming up to uh, kind of a, a, a monumental birthday here in a few months, correct? Oh God, who did that? Yes, 60? I will be forty. Yes, uh, the second time, March twentieth. Yes, still and still that that uh, that that hair. I just uh, uh, envious of. Yeah, I'll tell you. Yeah. Well, you but know why you're last... envious? Real quick. Oh, yes. Is, have you ever seen Brian and Neil? They right. look like the Luden's cough drop guys. You well, know, they have no hair, and Larry's over here with the big mop. Well, you always mention Leo. Neil looks like the uh, Civil War general. Yes, yeah. So we always tease. Uh, we always I love seeing the, uh, the Morses out in the community. Always uh, big uh, promoters of a lot of civic things. But Larry is over there running the district attorney's office. Last time we had him in was October 16th of last year. Before the election, you may remember he came in with Vern Warnke, our sheriff, Vernon H. Warnke. Howard. I knew I had to get, let you get it in there. And uh, the election didn't go well for Larry. And I'm not talking about the Clinton debacle. No, he was really in uh, uh, looking forward to Proposition 57 being defeated. And unfortunately, that wasn't, was it, Larry? It was not. In fact, it passed and overwhelmingly. I was the state co-chair uh, with the mayor of San Diego and the district attorney of Ventura of the No on 57 campaign. Uh, Prop 57 was Jerry Brown, Governor Brown's initiative to uh, relieve crowding in state prisons. And what it did was uh, offer early release and credits to so-called nonviolent offenders. Mm -hmm. And our objection with it was the list of so-called nonviolent offenders included dozens and dozens, nearly 100 crimes that almost any person on the street would agree were, in fact, violent crimes. 
you know, sexual assaults, um, violence against elders. Uh, Shooting at a building, that's one of the ones yeah, I thought was amazing. You know, assault on peace officers. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, I learned some serious hardball lessons. I've been in politics off and on for 30-plus uh, years. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, a well-funded, popular governor is a formidable foe, and he used every uh, every weapon in his arsenal in, uh, in you know, getting, securing passage. He had an enormous amount of money. We were joined in opposition by nearly every law enforcement group in the state, League of Cities, individual cities. We had an incredible group, but campaigns still ultimately are about uh, fundraising and wow. money. And we just were outspent uh, probably 15 to 1. And uh, I'm hopeful that we're wrong, that this isn't going to lead to a, a spike in crime. But uh, I think most of, the, uh, of us in the law enforcement community believe this was just ill-conceived uh, policy and will make California less safe. I but agree. We'll I, see. I agree. I'll be happy to be wrong. Well, I, and I hope you are. And again, uh, when you look at some of the statistics, and I have a hard time saying that word, last year when we look at the number of ambush officer slayings uh, up 100, 150%, some 200% in some cases, as you've seen, I think law enforcement has been vilified across this country with some of these groups, some of these uh, progressive groups under the guise of uh, changing things to be more fair. But again, on the national scene, we saw a change of leadership and a lot of promises were made during the campaign on both sides. And the side that won uh, really had a, a very firm stance on immigration. And, of course, being here in the Central Valley where we have a large uh, immigrant community, uh, a lot of fear out there, Larry. It is. And, and it I don't think we need to uh, go back through all of the things. Uh, our listeners are adults. They've been following the news. But we had a series of town hall meetings here in this town. Uh, City Council uh, of Merced, uh, they met at uh, first of Riviera, then uh, downtown, and then finally ended up at Tanaya. Uh, the last meeting was predominantly folks coming up, talking to the council. Uh, how are you going to enforce uh, new immigration edicts that are changing daily? Uh, what is the position of the council? What is the position, uh, you know, going forward? And Matt Serrato, who works in your office, a, uh, now what is he? Is an assistant district attorney? He's a deputy district attorney. Uh, Matt is actually uh, one of our most experienced and, and a very talented uh, prosecutor. He's Great a, guy. We had him here on the air, I think, twice before the election, uh, as we did all the candidates in that district. He was successful. Again, I know he's worked for you about 10 years. And I just want to clarify, we're not picking on Matt. I just sure. want to talk about the district attorney's office position going forward. Uh, and again, you may not know because the laws change daily, but just some of the things that he talked about. He said, I can tell you for a fact in our office, in the DA's office, we pay zero attention to somebody's immigration status. In fact, you can ask anybody in the court that if it's brought to our attention that somebody has issues with immigration, we actually do things to help them. And we have done that consistently over the years. And so I had wrote a note, well, victim or suspect, because we've heard a lot of talk, Larry, and you would agree, folks are scared. Uh, now, uh, we heard about, you know, don't snitch, these type of things. And we want folks to report crime, right? We do. And that is a concern. And we don't care if they're here with questionable documents illegally, whatever word you want to use, undocumented aliens, you want them to report a crime if they're a victim, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. Okay, that's what I thought. Serrato went on to point out that at the federal level, there's little either that law enforcement or the local district attorney's office can do to supersede them in authority, uh, but they have consistently over the years done whatever little things they can do inappropriate. And Serrato said, giving them less time in jail or giving them an offer that is going to help with their immigration status, such as a different charge. Now, do we do that, Larry? Do we give folks, if, if they're here illegally, do we give them different charges or is that? No. And what Matt was, was talking about was a law that was passed, I believe, in 2015. Okay. Which, which mandated that prosecutors are to consider the immigration consequences in a particular case in fashioning a an appropriate resolution. Now, that, that is among the things that we can 
consider. It doesn't mandate that we have to give somebody uh, a lesser sentence or less time or anything. It means that among the things that we would consider, uh, you know, including their history, the circumstances of a crime, that we can consider the immigration consequences in arriving at a disposition in that case. And to be clear, that's for the <clears throat> suspect, for the that's for the suspect, for the yeah. accused. Yep. Okay. Now, see, that's news to me. And again, when I read that, I, I'm like, well, why would we give somebody that is committing a crime any kind of of, of uh, I guess it's a plea deal, if you will. Is that what you would call it? Well, I think we're, we're talking about comparatively minor crimes mm -hmm. is what is what the law, you know, really was was directed to, as far as I understand. You know, I'm the uh, co-chair of the California District Attorneys Association's Legislation Committee. In fact, we met last week and went through more than 400 bills that have been introduced this right. session that have some public safety impact. Mm -hmm. This initiative, or the bill that was passed in 2015, uh, it, it just you know, was an effort to uh, provide some additional degree of protection for um, sort of knee-jerk deportations based on comparatively minor offensives, traffic sort of things that could trigger some uh, deportation consequence. Uh, I had someone come over and do training on it in our office, explain the law to us last year after it passed, right. make sure our attorneys knew what they could and could not do. You know, the thing with, with being a prosecutor is we don't, you know, interpret the law, we enforce the law. Right. I think you and I and Robert could go back through the penal code and we could find all kinds of things that we disagree with. Sure. That is on a personal level. Right. That is not our... Uh, lot as prosecutors. Our job is to enforce the law, even laws that we may have some personal reservations about. Um, you know, this is a very uh, difficult and delicate situation when we're talking about, uh, you know, illegal uh, immigration or undocumented, uh, you know, people in our community. There's enough uh, accountability to go around. We know that farmers, you know, have, have been complicit in encouraging oh, people to come to oh we, no you know everybody has been involved in the situation that we have now this is a problem that's been going on yes, for decades and there's no easy solution there isn't and just because again i think uh, the new administration is being kind of vilified because they're enforcing wow. what we would agree is existing law it is there, there's well, nothing actually new goes here. to the to the clinton administration that the law that is being enforced now exactly was enacted so there's nothing new here necessarily and again i think the fear on some people's uh for is how how, how is it going to be enforced and is it going to be across the board is it going to be raids and and you know roundups and these and, sort of things and, and we've been assured it's not that's not going to happen but at the same likely. time the district attorney's office if asked by a federal agency we will obviously do our job under the law right. we are going to enforce the law that is on the book exactly uh mr serato does on a daily basis uh, i do you know we all do that ours is not to reason why uh ours is but to do or die. that is the way it is now you go know ahead, the, ahead, the oh, concern i have the one yes. thing I, w I would say about this and i have you know many uh hispanic friends in town that are here legally yes and they have talked to me about the incredible fear permeating you know their relationships their friends family who yes. may have you know uh, less secure immigration well, speak, status speak here. to that 
We worry in the DA's office, we worry about uh, crimes not being reported. Let's say um, uh, domestic violence, right. a woman being terrified to call and report that she's being beaten because it could trigger uh, some deportation consequence or child abuse, child molestation, or witnesses in gang cases or things like that. It's difficult enough to get these people to come forward. We are worried and concerned and we'll have to watch and see, are we going to have trouble uh, either having these cases reported or prosecuting cases that might rely on people whose status here is uncertain. Right. And that's just another you know, collateral consequence of everything that we're discussing. I certainly don't even pretend to have any of the answers uh, with respect to immigration. It's you know, fundamentally a federal issue, but it obviously has enormous consequences for all of us locally. And right, and, and the way you have, uh, again, there's some considerations you give. I'm sorry, Rob, go ahead. No, I'm just stunned. What? People are here illegally. Yes. They cross the border. All right. They know they're here illegally. That's right. Okay, they know they break the law. They are working. They're not undocumented. They're using social security numbers that are fraudulently gotten. A lot of times they do have And some. they're worried about law enforcement. Well, I think that, you know, it gets into the issues. That's, you know, we talk. No, I mean, I understand what Larry's saying, and I agree with Larry, but what I'm having a problem with is all this stuff, and it's it's predominantly in California because we're liberal socialists, mm -hmm. and what we're seeing is, is, Larry's laughing, what we're seeing is, is that people who break the law are worried about getting caught. Now, I'm sorry, but if I'm kiting checks or right. if I'm stealing Larry's identification to go in him and his and Cindy's bank account, it's the same thing that these people are doing. It's fraud. So why are we turning our back on it? Well, I think, it, again, this is a situation that's been festering, if you will, for 30 years. Ronald Reagan in 1986 signed the Immigration Reform Act. Mm -hmm. It's what, 2017? Yeah. 31 years. He gave amnesty. Right. Exactly. And what happened? Well, but it wasn't enforced, and we didn't, you know, we didn't put the teeth in it. And that's why I say we're not reinventing the wheel here. These no. are laws that are on the book. No, I get that. But what I'm having a problem with is I have no problem with Larry's position right. or the district either. attorney's I position do. on that. What I'm having a problem with is the state of California turning their back on things well, that are now we're supposed to, you know, follow the law. Well, here are people that are fraudulently using fake IDs to to get jobs and nobody says a word and they are all were worried i would be worried too if i committed fraud well, i'd be worried larry's going to be knocking on my door well I, 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 let's talk about the word sanctuary city you know when we talk about sanctuary giving folks that are here illegally uh, uh not to worry but if you're here illegally and you've committed some heinous felony uh, you better some, worry right you we're not going to give you sanctuary right no and we have people who are uh, undocumented or illegal however you want to characterize it uh go through the courts all the time right. as defendants and they are prosecuted to the full extent of the law they are sentenced they do their time in california yeah. in california prisons or jails and then they're deported they get bounced i know they we've had some deported. horrible cases we yeah. had a baby uh, cut out of the womb the uh, uh, burnt bodies we, we could go on and on and again i'm not saying this is predominant in a community but all communities are held to a, a standard to but, a, a, a decorum of civilization and we're not making a special consideration one way or another no and i get i get matt probably just misspoke exactly okay and and I get that. And we're putting Larry on the spot because Matt worked for him. Right. But what I'm having a problem with is when you go to Tanaya, mm -hmm. okay, and you have all these people sitting there because they have friends and neighbors and all right. this, don't they realize that they're harboring refugees and they're harbor harboring felons and, and fraudulent people? I, and they, I, I mean, I understand the compassion, right. but the law is the law. Well, if we did this anywhere else, we would be prosecuted. Well, when you say harboring, just because of immigration status, we're not going to worry about that. We're, we're, we've acquiesced to that. The, the mere... The mere fact that someone is here, their status as being here illegally or being undocumented right. is not in and of itself going to trigger 
their deportation, right. as I understand. And, and we've seen this on the federal level the law. with and, DACA, the kids. But yeah. again, I get what you're saying. It's a fine line. And, and where do you cross that line? Okay, mm -hmm. I know Jose's here. He's not uh, documented, but he just beat the hell out of his wife or he's mm -hmm. abusing his kids. Do I call? Yes, please call right. for the sake of the kids, for the sake of the wife, for the sake of our society, because these are the problems that are systemic that we were dealing with long before November 8th election, my friends. But, we came mm -hmm. off of record number of murders in this county. Right. We've had crime here that has been across the board. So let's not get our panties in a bunch just because we have a new administration. And you that's call all me I'm, that's sledgehammer? Well, that's all I'm saying. I think Larry can bring a sense of, of stability here that our people are nervous. Well, and that's our concern. I won't, wouldn't want a situation in which you had a woman who is is here uh, as undocumented or illegal. She's been here, uh, has children, right. and she's the victim of a horrific beating yes and she is so terrified that she will be separated from her family she will be sent home the family will be broken up that she's not even going to call yeah. and, and that's what seek. we don't want that's what we don't want and that's what i we don't have the answer to that no i, I know and i'm and, not and, asking and, for the answer yeah, i just and, want you to but it's a concern you've assured people please call we're not Absolutely. gonna we're not gonna deport no. you please no. don't do that no. okay i know you know with you i need i need two hours larry i need to move on to viper again Good. at the meeting another concern raised by a group of residents seems to be the same group pertain to the newly formed Viper Violence Intervention Protection Program. Uh, they talk about this uh, uh, program potentially identifying lung, uh, young teens and others as gang members are likely perpetrators due to unknowingly being around gang members, like through osmosis. Uh, residents voice their views on the program that would add four and a half million. Uh, she said, "If we are going to be targeted just because of the way we look, it's just simply not." True. That is and misinformation, right, Larry? It's completely wrong and uh, a complete misunderstanding of what Viper uh, is and what it was uh, conceived to do. Viper was, an, you know, the name Violence Interrupt and Protection, I can't even think of the full acronym right now. Literally, Chief Pat Lunny, my chief investigator, and I were sitting in my office after becoming, after finally becoming so frustrated with the failure of the county right. to engage in a meaningful way in the gang problem, which had been mushrooming in an extraordinarily alarming way. Right. Here are some numbers. Over the past 10 years, Merced County has averaged 25 homicides a year. That's right. In 2013, we had 30. In 2014, we had 32. Mm -hmm. In 2015, we had 31. Since 2010, uh, the state average has been under five homicides per 100 people. Right. Merced's has been 10. Per 100,000. Nearly double that. Yeah, right. We have been in the top one or two in a state with 58 counties right. in in uh, the last five years. We've been one or two uh, in the last five years, and we've been in the top five the last 10 years, right? Top five yeah. in the last 10 years for the number of homicides. So what what Chief Lenny and I did was we sat down and we said, look, it, for a host of reasons, the county just is not able or going to commit the resources that we think are necessary to bring this violence down. Right. And so we thought, well, you know what? I've got legislative experience. Let's come up with a piece of legislation, given that we're the number one homicide county yes. in the state. Maybe we can come up with a pilot project right. for three years because we knew what we thought would work. A pro pilot project for three years that the state would subsidize and that if it worked, it's a model for other communities. So we came up with Viper. Mm -hmm. What what the Viper program is, and Adam Gray, Assemblyman Adam Gray, did an absolutely masterful job of, 
of taking our idea and moving it. Initially, it was going to be a bill, but then he moved it into the budget process. And I'll tell you what, I didn't think we had a one in five chance of having the governor sign it. And I was among the most shocked people when he did. So we were given $4.5 million to create a, uh, a gang intervention program that is not putting more boots on the streets, not hiring more cops. We were hiring information analysts who can make sense of all the information that comes into the various police agencies, kind of collate it, figure it out. Where are crime trends, you know, taking place? Where are we seeing activity that is, you know, really getting out of control and pushing that out to the officers instead of just chasing after the fact, you know, violent crimes. Now, whether it's because of Viper or not, uh, and we had a huge uh, uh, Norteño investigation that Operation uh, Red Right Hand mm-hmm. uh, that uh, was. And finished. just to clarify, Norteño means north in Spanish. Mm-hmm. It's a Hispanic gang. Or Hispanic gang. Uh, some folks are illegally here in that gang. Uh, I, I'm sure that many of them were here illegally. Some were and some weren't. Okay. Some of them, it was much of it was being operated out of the prisons. Right. I mean, it's frightening to think that you know they're calling you know criminal activity on the streets from prison cells, yep. but that was the reality. Well, we arrested more than 50 middle man. Management, and that's really what we were calling it mm-hmm. because these were people who had a, a business model that they were fi- you know following to uh, uh, to engage in criminal activity narcotics mm-hmm. uh, you know sales distribution etc cetera, etc cetera. Oh, so last year our homicide rate went from 31 mm-hmm. to nine mm-hmm. that is I would submit the biggest decline in in a homicide rate in the, in the state of California in decades probably they and went, we would give some of this credit to Viper because we've been doing we've been implementing this program this program a different approach to how we're doing gang stuff a more information based approach where mm. we're gathering information and pushing it out and it's it, it, it was something that we worked with others who have been involved in gang uh, violence for years with the state and others, and we put this model together. So these that want to spin it into racial profiling, it's, it's not like racial profiling. The, the, We're identifying the people that are committing the yes. crime. And if the, they happen to be of a Norteño gang member, we're sorry, folks. That's, that's that's the way it is. We cleared, I mean, these are the 50, more than 50 cases. These people were charged with some of the most serious crimes on the, on the in the penal code. So as far as Murders, you're... robberies, uh, assaults, shootings, et cetera, et cetera. And the other other part of Viper that people don't under, don't understand yes. is that there is a community engagement portion where we are going to push money mm-hmm. into communities where there has been a violence, you know, um, acts of violence, gang activity, to try to identify first-time, low-level offenders, at-risk offenders, and create a. a, 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 a a way for them to stay out of the system. If they've got mental health issues, if they've got uh, substance abuse issues, mentoring, whatever it is, we're going to push some of that money out. But when everything is said and done, in three years, uh, the Viper program will be judged not on how much money we pushed out into the community to community-based organizations, of which there are very few in Merced County, which yes. is a problem. Yes. It's going to be, Result. did we bring the violence down? I subscribe to the, the notion that the most important role of government is the protection of its citizens, first and foremost. You well, wrote that? I, I think that's uh, that's exactly why uh, folks run for that's, office, protection of the citizens and right. uh, to help the economy. Uh, but you know what it sounds like? It sounds like the mirror that the cities do, big cities do, like New York, to get the crime down. Yep. But they do it more with boots on the street information. You know, they got crime suppression gangs, groups that are 50 and 100 people, and you guys they're using, did it. They're using an information analysis, too. Right. Oh, yeah. New York time. City. You don't think they're collecting stuff? Big time. So many things I wanted to talk to our guest about is Project 10%. His trip to Sacramento, he mentioned a little bit, uh, 400 bills in the pipeline. 
if one of them are like Prop 57, we're screwed, folks. You know what I love? Several I really hope that Larry can come back on these airwaves. We seem to have everybody back in ho- in house now. Yeah, Larry brought me back. I love it. Yeah, well, he this was a he has to take you back to the cell. So anyway, we're teasing. We're so glad we had both of you in here, Larry. Hope you can come back sometime. I always enjoy. Can it. I can I be honest? You know what I love about Larry Morris? What? Out of all the public officials, he has the best open door policy. I see him in the parking lot. He goes, hey, how you doing? Got any questions? You can ask. Larry's got the best open. So, folks, if you have some problems or some questions, instead of raising your hand and and arguing about Viper, why don't you go to the the man? Don't don't assume things. He's going to tell you the real story, and that's what uh, what I really like about uh, Larry. I want to get on his balcony. One of our great guests. And everything isn't broken, folks, but we have to go out of this segment. We'll see you next uh, next weekend. Bye-bye. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Broken heroes. Broken finances adding up to zeros. Hound dog howling, bulldog croaking. Broken spirits, everything is broken. And our hearts are broken here on Citizen Watch with the passing of Larry Morris II, a great guest, a great friend, a great leader in the community. We'll miss you, Larry. Rest in peace. Bye-bye. Wow.